Let's pray and then we'll get rolling this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for all that you have done. Uh, thank you for the worship. Thank you for the reminder of the power and the strength of the resurrection and the hope that we have through the resurrection. Lord, be with us this morning and from this time forward to do everything we can to celebrate you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We've been studying a series called Behind the Scene, and today we're talking about the greatest supernatural event of all time, the miracle of all time. The New York Post, interestingly enough, ran an article called The Eight Greatest Sports Calls of All Time. The Eight Greatest Sports Calls of All Time. And they had no problem identifying what they felt was the greatest call of all time. Uh, some of you may even remember this. It happened in 1980, and we have just a short video clip to see if you can remember what happened here. Long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlamon shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Bill Yolethanov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. All right. How many remember that? Good. I was going to have us. We had three sections. I was going to have us chant USA. And Marie said, no, don't do that. Okay, but... I want you to think about the power of that phrase. Why would that be the most memorable call? Because he answered his own question. He was so excited, and the question was, do you believe in miracles? And then he goes, yes! It's like, man, let us think about it, okay? But that is a profound question. Do you believe in miracles? I mean, this morning, seriously, do you still believe in miracles? Because that's why we're here today. We're here to talk about the miracle of Jesus Christ. Webster said this, that a miracle is an extraordinary event taken as a sign of a supernatural power of God. Now, when you hold the word of God, there are 107 miracles that come out of this word. Forty of those miracles are performed by Jesus Christ. Do you believe in the miracle, the resurrection Dr. John Stott said that Christianity in its very essence is a resurrection religion. The concept of the resurrection lives at its heart. If you remove Christianity, is destroyed. You take away the miracle of the resurrection, and we've got nothing. That's why we're here this morning. Now, I'm aware that today is April 1st, and that it's April Fool's Day. And I think the joke on us is we're supposed to get three inches of snow tonight. So that's, that's the April Fool's part of it. But I love what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.21. It says that God is pleased that through the foolishness of preaching, people are still being saved. And I realize that all around the world, there's one common denominator. There are men and women, and they are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it's not their words that bring people to Jesus Christ. It's the power of Jesus Christ. It's through the foolishness of preaching. And we're all preachers in this room who believe in Jesus Christ and share that hope with others. All of us are in the same boat. So that's what we're going to do this morning. 
We're just going to talk about what I call the ripple effect of the miracle of the resurrection then and the ripple effect of the resurrection today. If you've got your scriptures, turn with me over to Luke 26, and there's nothing greater than to look at the Word of God and see the power of the resurrection. And in Luke chapter 24, it begins this way in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, matter of fact, we talked a little bit about this at the sunrise service I love the fact that it was very early in the morning, and I realize that there's a pretty good percentage of people that love the sunrise service because they love sunrise, but I also realize that the minority of people in this world love mornings, okay? I know that, but I love the fact that very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared, they went to the tomb, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while we were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. What? He is risen. There is the miracle. I love the fact that you see the angels that are clothed like lightning. It really makes me think of the Mount of Transfiguration where it talks about the radiance of Christ. And I love that phrase, those three words that changed everything. He has risen. But even then, even then, the resurrection of Jesus Christ had doubters. Now that Greek word doubt, uh, distazo, it's interesting. It simply means to waver a lack of confidence in the original. What were some of the doubts? Well, here was one. Did Jesus actually die? So the word of the resurrection began to trickle out, and people began to ask, yes, but did he actually die? You can't have a resurrection without a death. Here's what we all need to remember. Jesus did not die a private death. It was a very public death. It wasn't just a room full of people, even like John the Baptist that saw him killed. No, this was out in public. The Romans, the Jewish leaders, the disciples, so many people witnessed the brutality of Jesus Christ. And anybody that studies what happens at a crucifixion, you know that Jesus died, that when his side was pierced and there was liquid and blood mixed, it was just a final physical outcome of the fact that his heart had burst. He died a brutal, brutal death. Another theory and another doubt is that the body somehow was stolen. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. The body of Jesus was stolen. Um, I want you to think who was guarding the body of Jesus. These were trained soldiers. Well, who would have stolen the body? Trained fishermen, okay? Now, on top of that, there's a, a stone in front of the tomb that is somewhere between one and two tons. There's a rope around the stone. There's a seal, a wax seal, and there's an emblem that says, if you break the seal, what? You die. If you allow someone to break the seal, you die. No, the body of Jesus wasn't stolen. And there's actually an interesting theory, a doubt, that maybe they went to the wrong tomb. They just showed up at the wrong tomb. Well, remember, this was not the tomb of a poor man. This was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And as broken as their hearts were, you know the women that day, they knew exactly 
what tomb they were going to. One of the traditions growing up that I had, uh, which is an interesting one looking back, is my father died when I was really young. And uh, I think a lot of families may still do this, maybe some older generations, but uh, it paid honor to someone who had passed in your family on Easter to take flowers to their grave. And I remember uh, in the evening, almost at dusk, we would go out to the grave and at my dad's grave, and my mom would lay the flowers. And it was just a moment I, I remember, and it was mom's way saying, I want you to remember your legacy. I want you to remember where you came from. And that moment was very important. We all have these moments that we need to cling to and that we need to realize. And I believe that that's an important part here. These women that showed up at that tomb, that memorial, that was their legacy. There was no way that they showed up at the wrong tomb. There's a book called The, uh, the Problem of God by Mark Clark. And uh, when we are preaching Room for Doubt, this is one of the books we highly recommended. And uh, I want you to read what he says about the empty tomb of Jesus. I love this. He said, there's a, there's a pushback by some skeptics and doubters, and that is that the women somehow went to the wrong grave. They showed up at the wrong tomb. Yes, they found an empty tomb. There was no body there. I reflected in my own life. I traveled to Israel a few years ago, and our guide took us what they think was the location where Jesus was crucified and the location where they believe he was placed after his death. I walked into the empty tomb, and I stood there for a second, and then I looked, and I saw the rock off to the side, and there was a small surface where the body was laid, but nothing was there. I thought to myself, there's nothing here, and in empty thousands of dollars, I've flown halfway around the world to stand in an empty room, and I couldn't be happier. It was the most beautiful emptiness of my life. Yeah, they didn't go to the wrong tomb. It's just that when they got to the tomb, Jesus wasn't in the tomb. John chapter 20, I love this, starting in verse 11. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. And then I love this. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around, she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is this that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have put him. I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I am not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brother and tell them. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God, and to your God. There's a couple of things I love about that description of the resurrection. The first is the phrase and the question, why are you crying? Don't you love that? Why are you crying? Don't you know what's happened here? The angels and Jesus both. And don't you love, oh, I just shattered somebody's dream. Okay, uh, let me point that right there. Uh, don't you love the fact, and I've always wondered about this, is um, when Mary was clinging to Jesus, why did he say, don't hold on to me? Uh, Mark Moore, a scholar, 
uh, used to be a professor at Ozark Christian College years ago. Uh, he made this observation. I thought it was interesting. He said, first of all, when Jesus said, I haven't ascended my father yet, Jesus was telling her the future. He said, listen, there will be a time I'm going to ascend to my father, but right now I'm here. I'm right here. And I think the other reason is don't hold on to me as if I'm, I'm never going to go. You've got work to do. You need to tell everyone what's happened here today. The power of the resurrection changes everything. Think of the ripple effect that started when Jesus walked out of that tomb in that first century. When I was a kid, I grew up near a lake, and uh, on lazy summer afternoons, uh, you get a couple of boys together, and, and they're bored. Not, a lot of times good things don't happen, but one of our two favorite things to do uh, which to a lot of you are going to seem extremely boring, is uh, one is you'd, you'd wait till the water, especially if there was not a, a ripple at all, you just loved it when the water is really still, and, and then you'd say, man, we need to find some smoothies. How many of you know what a smoothie is? Anybody? Good. Okay, that, that's for skipping stones, and then you'd always have a contest to see who could skip it the most, because there's a certain way you need to throw the uh, smoothie to make it work to perfection, okay? And so we would do that. And then we got bored from skipping stones. You'd go to the other side of the lake where people couldn't see you, and we would try to find the biggest rock that we could together to lift up, and we'd love to just hoist that into the water because you just love to hear that bloop. Remember that sound? And then the ripple. I used to love to watch how it would ripple out. Now, I just want you to visualize from the moment of the resurrection and when the word got out, what Jesus had done, this ripple effect that started to slowly change the world. Luke, interestingly enough, goes into great detail of all the times that Jesus appeared and the ripple just kept getting larger and larger. It started with the men on the road to Emmaus. Then he appeared to Peter and his half-brother James. Then he appeared to the apostles short of Thomas. Then he appeared to the apostles with Thomas. Several times Jesus kept appearing. It's estimated that over five hundred people encountered Jesus before he ascended into the book of Acts. The ripple effect just kept getting larger and larger. And then you get through Acts and you realize that every time that Jesus was preached, this was the theme of their message, the resurrection. And in Acts 17, 6, I want to share with you exactly what was the outcome of this ripple. And there was a, a follower of Jesus. His name was Jason. Listen to the description. They dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world. What was the trouble they were causing? They were part of the ripple. You're part of the ripple. They couldn't kill them because this was not their home. And everything they taught, this was the foundation, that we have hope. We have hope in a Savior who died for us, but through the resurrection gave us hope. In 1879, uh, Thomas Edison invented something that it seems so common now, but it's just the light bulb. But have you ever thought about the common light bulb? Edison not only failed, you read that thousands of times, hundreds of times, but there were thousands of different ingredients, and he tried everything in that uh, laboratory to do whatever he could to get this very simple thing created. And in 1879, patent number 223 
I think, completely changed everything. Because now man could manufacture light, which he had never been able to manufacture light like that going into the 20th century. Think of the ripple effect of that light. Edison himself said, we are striking it big in the electric light, better than my vivid imagination first conceived. Where this thing is going to stop, Lord only knows. And I think of the light of Jesus Christ, and I think of the ripple effect, and I think of those of you that are here today because of the light of Christ. Isaiah 9, 2 says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death there is a light that has dawned. I think about the ripple effect then, and I think about the ripple effect today. Uh, Sherry Oaks this week did a video, and we're going to show it here. Uh, folks that just want to share the ripple effect of the resurrection and what the resurrection means to them. I'd like you to watch. Because of the resurrection, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because of the resurrection, I know that God has set me free. My faith is strengthened and has true meaning. I know that God's love is eternal for me. I don't have to be weighted down with guilt and shame. Por la resurrección, yo tengo segundas oportunidades. I know that I'm unconditionally loved. Because of the resurrection, I have hope and it gives me a newfound chance at life. Because of the resurrection, I will not suffer more and joy will be eternal. I will be able to overcome any hardships and troubles in my life. I know that I'm always cared for and forgiven. I can walk in freedom and with confidence, knowing that Jesus has already won. Because of the resurrection, I belong to a family that I know will always love me. I am impacted with the reality of eternal life, knowing that death has lost its sting and we will in fact live forever. I can live a forgiven life free from the bondages of my past. I am born again to a living hope. Because of the resurrection, I know God hears my prayers. Por resurrección, siento amor y libertad. I know that the reward is greater than the pain. How would you answer that same question? What does the resurrection of Christ mean to you? Because you're part of this ripple. When Christ gets a hold of you and you become of that ripple, think of the, the impact that you'll have in your life. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One of my heroes in the faith, and if you don't know who this is, you need to Google her name, is Corey Tinboom. Uh, Corey Tinboom uh, wrote a famous book uh, called The Hiding Place, and she talks about surviving the concentration camp as a little girl, uh, but her sister did not survive. And throughout her life, she went all over the world to encourage others to just keep the faith. And uh, there's a story of Corey Timboom who went deep in the Cold War, deep into Russia. And she heard about this woman who was translating the entire Bible so that it could go out all over Russia. And so she just wanted to pray with this dear saint. And she was shocked when she came to this little apartment. And here was this frail little woman battling multiple cirrhosis. She said she was so crippled, she could only move her finger. That was it. Everything else, she was just paralyzed. And she prayed over her, and she just, she just started crying. She said, God, I feel so terrible. Please heal her. Please remove the pain. 
And when she was through praying, her husband said, oh, no, Corey, you don't understand. You see, they are doing everything they can, the secret police, and they're watching all of the Christians all around us. But years ago, they never bother us. I mean, what could this dear, sweet, crippled little lady do? She's just harmless. She can only move her finger. And you know what she did? She translated the entire Bible, and that light and that ripple impacted probably thousands of people. What are you willing to do to allow that ripple to get into your life so that Jesus Christ can come from your life and go out to your family, to your friends, people that you work with? Because the resurrection, I just want you to know, it's for you. John Ortberg this week just wrote a devotional about the power of the resurrection. And I just want to share these words with you. And I want these to just wash over you to encourage all of you that are here today. The story of the resurrection is not just good news, it's true news. When Jesus says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die, that's not a metaphor or some vague hope. It means that death has no power to take you from the arms of the Father. Guilt cannot separate you from God. Whatever bad news you face, if you have crossed that line, if you've trusted Jesus, you have a resurrection coming. To the elderly person whose health is frail and almost gone, you don't have to live in fear. You have a resurrection coming. To the devastated husband whose wife has left you and you feel betrayed and alone, you're not alone. You have a resurrection coming. To the frightened parent of a depressed child, you don't have to live burdened by the weight of blame. You have a resurrection coming. And to the anxious worker who has lost their job, you have a resurrection coming. To the guilt-ridden addict hiding in the shadows, there's a resurrection coming. To the lonely young person belonging, just longing to be loved, you have a resurrection. Wherever or whoever you are, just take the most important step of your life. There is a new reality. The Father's arms are plenty strong. They have not lost any of their power, and they will pick you up. Your resurrection is coming. So stand firm. Stand still. Stand together. Our resurrection is coming. Do you believe that? Because that's why we're here. We're not here because it's Easter Sunday, and we have flowers, and we have eggs, and da-da-da-da. That, that's not what this is. This is about a Savior that conquered the grave, that gave us hope. It's the greatest miracle of all time.